Hi, I'm Hillary Walsh, a serial entrepreneur, award-winning immigration lawyer, law professor, TEDx speaker, and raving Phoenix Suns fan. Over the past decade, I've helped thousands of immigrants live free in the United States. I'm talking work permits, social security numbers, green cards, their citizenship, VAWA, T-Visa, U-Visa, and lots of successful appeals. Here's the thing. Immigration law is super complicated and legal advice, well, it can be pretty expensive. So I created the Immigration Law Made Easy podcast to share my 10 plus years of experience with you for free. So if you're looking for tried and true, no BS, step-by-step strategies and tips on how to win your immigration case and live truly free in the United States, you're in the right place, my friend. Let's get started. I had a few bond hearings in the past couple of months and I haven't done, I don't do a whole lot of removal defense anymore. But what I want to do today is share with you some of my tried and true tips for getting people out on bond. So if you are listening to this and you have a family member who is detained in an immigration detention center or they are perhaps in prison um, or jail and you know that they are eventually going to be taken into ICE custody, and, you know, you're going to be able to either seek, uh, you know, some type of relief from removal. You don't want your family member to get deported and they're going to get in the detention center um, because they don't have status here in the U.S. or they're trying to take away their status here in the U.S. This is going to be a podcast for you that will hopefully help you be able to gather documents, help your family represent themselves. We charge thousands of dollars for doing bond cases because we spend a lot of time preparing everything. We are a, you know, some law firms uh, do it with you. So they will help you fill out the documents and then they'll go to court for you. We are a do it for you law firm where we do everything for you. So what I want to do is give you thousands and thousands of dollars worth of value in this podcast. And then if you still need help, you can reach out to me and we will do all this for you. But I really think that, you know, there's just tons of people who can't afford um, much less to pay the bond that you're going to have to pay and they, they can't afford an attorney or you just don't have enough time to get an attorney. So if you're finding this podcast, this is 15 years worth of immigration law experience for getting people out of the detention center on bond. And I hope that it's helpful for you. So first of all, let's start with what do we have to prove in a bond hearing? If you are... Um, you know, let's just assume that you don't have an immigration status, that you are, uh, you know, are not a lawful permanent resident who they're trying to take your green card away. Let's just assume that you do not have any status in the United States. And let's go from there. What you have to prove are two things, that you are not a flight risk. So I don't, when I say you, I mean the, the individual who's detained. Okay, so what we have to prove, let's say we, if we're detained as an, as an immigrant, we have to prove two things that we're not a flight risk, and that we're not a danger to the community. Flight risk generally means that are you going to show back up for court? Are you just going to disappear? That's kind of what the judge is trying to figure out. And and I'm going to break these down here in just a few minutes even further, but we, these are the two big overarching themes that you have to prove. Flight risk, basically judge, here's all the reasons why I'm going to show back up to court, why I'm going to do whatever it is that, you know, you say I need to do, whatever the government attorney says I need to do, whatever my deportation officer says I need to do, I'm going to do all of those things. 
I am going to play by the rules. And then second, you have to prove that you're not a danger to the community to such a degree that bond cannot be set. So if you have any criminal history, either in your home country or in the United States, it, you know, that criminal history, we're really going to want to pick it apart and show that this criminal history, even though, you know, I, I have a charge or I have a conviction, um, for whatever reason, it doesn't make me so dangerous that I can't get a bond judge. Um, and if you have no criminal history, that's fantastic because then really the case is all about flight risk. And, you know, I did a case the other, I did a hearing the other day and I told the judge this, judge, usually these cases are either all about flight risk, a bond is all about flight risk, or it's all about danger. It's rarely both. And so judge, this case is not about a flight risk. Instead, this, the the client who I was helping get out of the detention center, he the case was all about whether he was dangerous to such an extent that no bond would justify letting him out of the detention center because he was just going to be a danger, whether he was just going to be a dangerous person if he was out of the detention center. And if you have no criminal history, that's kind of the point that I would go in with, which is this is all about flight risk. This is all about showing how can I show the judge that my family member or me, I'm going to show back up to court, that I'm not going to just disappear and go off the grid, okay? So let's pretend that the case, because criminal history gets into this. It's a much more complicated thing if you have any criminal history. And, you know, some criminal history makes it where the judge isn't even allowed to grant you a bond. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's start with flight risk. If you are recently in the United States, let's say you are you have just crossed the border, um, perhaps you're here to seek asylum, uh, you're fleeing really bad conditions in your home country. You are going to be what the government considers a very high flight risk because it's not like you've been here for 20 years and this is your home. This is this is your your country outside of your home country, right? This is instead like I just got here and I would really, really like to stay. So we don't have any proof that, you know, you follow the rules of the United States, that you're going to show back up to court. You don't have a whole lot of you don't have a whole lot of experience here. So we don't have a lot of trust capital that you're going to be someone who follows the rules and comes back to court. That's the way the government and the judge is probably going to see your case. So what can we do to change the judge's mind or the government attorney? Because sometimes you can get the government attorney change their mind and then they're kind of agreeing with you that, yeah, you know, judge, I think we can set a bond in this case. What you want to do is show, number one, maybe you have a really good asylum case. Maybe you have like a clear cut banger of an asylum case where it's like, I'm going to show back up. Look how good my asylum case is. I'm going to show back up because I want to get granted a green card. I don't want to be undocumented in the United States. I want to win my case. Here's all the reasons why I'm probably going to win my case, which motivates me to keep coming back to court. If, by contrast, you don't have a very good asylum case, this is not a point that I would highlight. Instead, I would start looking for other things. And even if you have a great asylum case, these other things will be applicable for you as well. Specifically, if you have friends or family here in the United States who are either your sponsor or you're, you're going to live with them, like maybe my wife lives here or maybe my kids um, have all immigrated here or, you know, my my mom's brother is a U.S. citizen who's in the military 
anything like that where you can show that you have no, and sometimes it's a far connection to a family member who's here, but you have a connection here in that person. You can kind of like borrow their credibility to, to, to piggyback on your own, that you're going to come back to court and that you're, you're not a flight risk. And then, you know, also you can say like, I perhaps, you know, enter the country without permission. Let's say that you're not someone who's been here just for a short amount of time. Let's say you've been here for 20 years. Yes, 20 years ago, I made this immigration violation where I entered the country without permission or I entered with a visa and I overstayed. But I have a whole life here. I go to church on Sunday. I volunteer with um, the food bank on Wednesday. I do all these different things. You want to show that you're involved in the community and that you're going to stay involved in the community, which means that you are going to be very motivated to come back to court. If you have any position of authority at your job, you're going to want to keep coming back to court because you want to keep your job. I'm a manager, you know, in my roofing company or I own my own business, anything like that. All of that is so helpful in showing that you're not a flight risk and that you're going to come back. And then kind of use, I, I would use ChatGPT and say, hey, what are pieces of evidence that I can submit to show that I am not a flight risk in my immigration case. Here are examples of what I have going on in my life. I go to church at St. Mary's. I volunteer at the food bank. I um, am a manager at my job. And, and ChatGPT can give you some really great ideas. But things like a letter from your boss or a letter from your priest um, showing or, you know, documents showing that you're a, a member of that congregation, that you were baptized there, that you got married in the church there, uh, that you have um, uh, christened your children there, whatever it may be, that you buried your mom at such and such uh, cemetery, like anything to show that you have a connection to the United States, not just based on your word. What we want to do is show, not tell. In, in lawyering in general, it's much more convincing if you can show someone that you're not a flight risk versus just telling them because the judge doesn't really want to hear from you. The judge wants to see. Most judges are going to be, um, you know, in law school, we spend so much time reading. And then as judges, judges spend so much time reviewing documents and reading. They would much rather be able to peruse your file before they get in front of you because they're going to then have a good idea of questions they need to ask you. So to the extent you can, you're going to want to have evidence showing why you're such a good person and that you're not a flight risk. And I will also say that if you are someone who is saying, hey, I, I uh, maybe you don't have a whole lot of family history here. Uh, maybe you do. There are studies that show that if you have an attorney, the likelihood of you coming back to court actually increases substantially. And so you could include that report if you're going to go out and find an attorney eventually as well. Let's talk about criminal history. That's that's um, the flight risk. That's a, Those are all things that are related to flight risk. Let's talk about danger to the community. If you have no criminal history, that's enough. I have no criminal history here. I have no criminal history in my home country. Um, if you've been accused, you can say you have no uh, crime, like you have no convictions, although you do have charges pending. And 
in my experience, you're going to, if, if you got picked up because of a domestic violence allegation or maybe a DUI allegation and just has it panned out where you've actually been able to take a plea or get the case concluded, or maybe even, you know, you know, it gets, it gets dismissed. If, if you still have charges pending, you're going to need to talk, plan to talk to the judge about it because the judge is going to know. And the more you try to hide the ball, the more the judge is not going to believe you and they're going to think that you are full of it and not want to grant you a bond. So the best thing to do is if, if you have a police report and the police report is not horrendous, uh, you know, I, I would say if you have a case pending or if you really have any convictions, you should hire an attorney. If you can't afford it, keep listening. If you can't afford an attorney, you know, we charge, like I said, we do charge thousands of dollars for this representation um, because it is very specialized and it takes a lot of work. But if you can't afford it, no problem. Keep listening because I want to. I want to do my best to be able to help you, even if you can't afford it. I have been in in. I have been locked up in my life when I was a teenager. It's awful, and I have helped hundreds of people get out of the detention center. And I would. I I hope that this this is able to help you as well. Okay, so if you have charges pending, or you know you've had a conviction. What you want to do is add context, helpful context. So I'll use the case, an example of a case that I just did last week where I was telling the judge, judge, you know, there are cases that are either flight risk or they're danger. This case is not flight risk. He's eligible for a green card. We have all these reasons that he's going to keep coming. He's got these little kids, etc. However, this is a case about danger. And this is this whole bond hearing is going to turn on whether or not the court finds that he's a danger to the community. The gentleman had shot a gun in his front yard. He's He has no status. So he's not allowed to have a gun in the United States. If you don't have status, you're not allowed to have a gun. It's his wife's gun. Um, so we we presented receipts showing that she had purchased it. You could see on the like Dick's Sporting Goods uh, receipt that she had been who purchased it. So his wife's a U.S. citizen. She owned the guns. And then we also showed that, you know, basically we wrote a letter from the wife saying, uh, you know, he shot the gun up into the air, just kind of screwing around. And it was in his front porch. It wasn't shot at anybody. He wasn't mad. He just was kind of basically made a bad choice and did a dumb thing. And they had shot the gun kind of being cowboys up into the air. Um, this person has no other criminal history. So if we had not contextualized, and this judge granted me a two, this gentleman a two thousand dollar bond, it was a, a you know a fantastic outcome that I'm really proud of uh, for this for this client. If you have, if we hadn't added the context, then all we would have had, then all we would have had, if we hadn't added context for this client, would have been the criminal charges. We wouldn't have had the police report. All we would have had were like things that looked really bad on paper. Person, he was charged with two things, personally in, in possession of a weapon, and it's a felony charge, and disarming a firearm in city limits. Both of those things look terrible on paper. And then you you give added context to them, and it's a totally different ballgame. So this is what we want to do anytime you have criminal history. Now, keep in mind that some criminal history if it's an aggravated felony, and that's a different conversation in criminal law than it is in immigration law, it's like the terms are the same, but they mean totally different things. If you had an aggravated felony or a crime involving moral turpitude or a crime of violence, um, all of these things can make you ineligible for bond, and the judge is not allowed to grant you a bond because the judge will have jurisdiction. So if you 
have criminal history, the most important thing that we can do is add context and an explanation for it. And it's so much better to show context rather than tell context. I think an, an additional component that helps with both danger to the community and flight risk is showing you have a support system in the United States. So if, if you're picked up with a domestic violence allegation or a DUI allegation or charge, you know, like a, a conviction, the best thing you can do is show that you have a support system here in the U.S. that's going to help you overcome this obstacle so that it's you're not going to have the issue again. So, you know, I do a lot of hearings in, in Florence Immigration Court. In Judge Taylor, one of the things that he really likes to see is that if you have an anger issue, that you're going to go to a, you're going to go to anger management. If you had a DUI or some other type of drinking related incident where maybe you were drunk and yelled at your spouse and then the cops got called, he wants to see that you're going to AA. He does not care if you're an alcoholic. Uh, he's, he's not going to ask you questions and uh, judges typically don't have a whole lot of moral judgment about your about the thing that got you into immigration court to begin with. They just want to make sure that you're not going to come back again. Just think about this from an immigration judge perspective. If you get a you get a, a DUI, and then the judge grants you a bond and lets you out, and you'll get a DUI again, we don't want. If I'm a judge, I don't want it in the news that I was the judge who granted you a bond and let you back out, because then it looks like I have basically co-signed on your bad behavior. So what we want to do is show judge this is not going to happen again. This is a one-off thing. Or this is because of extreme trauma. This person is coping with extreme trauma that they've they've experienced. So we're going to put them into this type of therapy so that they they have other tools to cope with rather than alcohol or drugs. Um, so I hope this is helpful. I hope this is giving you some added context. What you want to do if you're submitting documents and you know letters of support are helpful, but don't don't let that be the bulk of your evidence. Letters of support from friends or family. But you're definitely going to want a letter of support from the sponsor, the person who's a U.S. citizen who's going to pay the bond and who's going to say, I'm going to make sure they go back to court. I'm going to make sure they're not breaking the law by driving without a driver's license and things like that. You're definitely going to want a letter from that person. And you're, it's required in immigration court. You're going to, you have to submit proof of who that person is. If they can come to the hearing, whether it's just by coming on the, being there on the phone available to the judge to ask any questions or if it's on the internet and they can come on zoom it's called webex in immigration court it's basically zoom or if they can physically go in court then that's that's awesome as well because then they can give full weight to their letter no matter what you have to submit proof of their status in the united states proof that they are who they say they are so like a photocopy of their Driver's license would be helpful or a photocopy of their U.S. passport, um, a photocopy of their LPR card, their green card, if there's um, if there's a green card involved, and then a photocopy of bills, like a water bill or a cell phone bill showing the address of where you're saying you're going to go live and your sponsor living there or you living there. Like if you're just going to go back home to the house that you own and your sponsor is going to pay the bond and make sure and kind of vouch for you, then you would have them submit all the documents showing who they are. I always submit three years of taxes to show that this person 
pays taxes, has consistent income, has the ability to support you. Uh, uh, you know, their letter and photocopy of their their documents showing who they are. So if they're a U.S. citizen, I, I photocopy of their passport. If they're a lawful permanent resident, a copy of their green card. And then if you're doing other letters of support, you'll want to do the same thing for those people. Like if it's the aunt or something like that, you're going to want to show I'm I'm the aunt of, you know, this person who's detained. I've known him or her my entire life. I'm a U.S. citizen. I have no criminal history. I'm not going to lend my reputation to someone who I think isn't a good person. And so I need to know that this matters to me, judge, and I'm going to do everything I can to support this person. They are a good person. And this was a one-off incident. Um, please grant them a bond. And you get enough people saying that it becomes a theme and it can help to contextualize whatever criminal history um, or flight risk may be a concern for the judge. If you need help, please reach out to me at New Frontier Immigration Law. Um, you can find us with a Google, uh, Google New Frontier or Nueva Frontera. Um, we specialize in bond cases. Uh, I've done a lot of bond in my life, a lot of bond cases in my life. I'm personally passionate about them because I have personally been um, in a detention center and uh, when I was a teenager, a lockup facility for juveniles, and it was not a good time. It was not a good time. It was very traumatizing. It's traumatizing for anyone because humans are not meant to be held in captivity like that. And it's just really scary because you feel like you don't have any, you, you don't have a way to control your life and humans are, are meant to be able to be in control of their lives. Please reach out to me if you need help. Um, if you can't afford a lawyer, I understand that as well. And if you do call us, and even if you can't afford anything, we will give you any resource that you ask for. Um, we are here to help the immigrant community. I want to help change a million lives. And it, that doesn't mean I need to do it by charging every single person. So if you need help, reach out to me. I will help you for free to the extent that I'm able to. Be blessed keep on keeping on and don't give up. You know, a lot of people will hear that, oh, you don't have a good case. Oh, it's not possible. And that can be the case sometimes. But most of the time, there is hope. Even if we have a 1% chance, sometimes that 1% chance is worth fighting for. And I wish you, I wish you well. Um, and thank you again for listening to my podcast. My friend, I'm so glad you joined me today. If you have a friend or family member who may need some immigration law guidance or even just day-to-day -day encouragement, please send them a text or email or a DM on social media and say, hey, I think this podcast is going to help you. I sure wish someone had given me the tips I'm sharing here years and years ago when I was starting out as an immigration lawyer. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Adios.